Has it occurred to you that the systems we live by are not designed to get results? We pay for procedures instead of outcomes, focusing on emergencies rather than preventing disease and living a healthy lifestyle. For over 25 years, I've taken care of Olympians, Paralympians, A-list actors, and Fortune 1000 companies. If I did not get results, they did not get results. I realized that while powerful people who control the system want to keep the status quo, if I were to educate the masses, you would demand change. So I'm taking the gloves off and going after the systems as they are. Join me on my mission to create a new tomorrow as I chat with industry experts, elite athletes, thought leaders, and government officials about how we activate our vision for a better world. We may agree and we may disagree, but I'm not backing down. I'm Ari Gronich, and this is Create a New Tomorrow Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Create a New Tomorrow. I'm your host, Ari Gronich, and here I have with me Matt Phillips. This guy has trained amazing athletes. Besides being an elite athlete himself, he has trained uh, 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 just amazing athletes in performance, business, mental toughness. Uh, He's an expert and founder of CEO of Pro Athlete Advantage. And, uh, you know, this is somebody who has trained with Navy SEALs, with military, with elite athletes. And I just want to, you know, preface this by saying mental toughness is so important. Matt, why is, why is mental toughness kind of the area that you decided to, to focus on? It's interesting. First of all, thanks for having me, man. It's great to reconnect. This is, this is going to be a blast. Um, but it, it's interesting as I look back at my athletic career and to your point, I was fortunate to play at a front of high level um, division one college baseball professionally overseas. I went into the corporate world and have lived, you know, around the world working for fortune 500 companies. I've watched my own business over gosh, nine years ago now. And what I've consistently seen as you progress in these different organizations, right? Even sports and organization, as you progress, in these different areas, the one true differentiator in every one of those that was consistent across the whole thing was this concept of mental toughness. It's what's going on in between the ears that really separates, you know, to steal the Jim Collins thing, the good from the great, right? It's, it separates the people who are just okay at their sport and okay at their job um, to the ones that just really excel. That was the one differentiator I saw, you know, when you look at sports, and you see these individuals get to the highest level. Uh, yes, there's an absolute physical uh, like piece to that, right? You have to have a skill set uh, physically to be able to play baseball or hit a baseball or do all that stuff. But again, when you get to these higher levels, the the I don't know, just the competition and skill set of physically, it's pretty it's pretty comparable. Sure, you have like the Le- LeBrons of the world who are just like in a positive way, like just freaks of nature, right? Um, but on a consistent basis, it's like they all can hit a ball, right? You're, you're at that level. So it all comes down to the way you think, the way you act, the way you treat yourself, that mental toughness. That's why I get so fired up about what I do. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I, I had, uh, as you know, Kadivas uh, Robinson and, uh, and Dominic Arnold, both are Olympic world champion. I mean, top of the game, top, top, top of the game. And one of the things that I asked Dominic was, what was the difference? He, he broke the world record 
And he doesn't like to talk about breaking the world record because it was the same race. He broke the world record about a, like, I mean, like a fraction, not even a tenth of a second. I think it was less than a tenth of a second. Yes. Before, you know, before the, uh, the guy who broke the record, right? Or after yeah. the guy who broke the record. So, I mean, the, the level of, of closeness in those two athletes, both 110-meter hurdlers, right, rolling down the strip, and they are less than a tenth of a second one behind the other. So the skill set wasn't the issue, yep. right? So I always, I asked him about what, what was the thing? And he's, he said, you know, I was running down and I did one minor thing. <laughs> yes. And had my, had I, had I pulled back that form just a little bit, it would have been there, but yes. You know, so talk about that, that, that 10th well, second difference between the best in the world and somebody who's probably not going to be remembered. Yeah, it's it's fascinating when you think about it, right? Because I think this is true in every area of life, right? Relationships, business, sports. It all comes down to, I don't know, people call it luck or whatever. I mean, I, I, I believe luck doesn't really exist, right? It's all about preparation. Then, then an opportunity presents itself and you take advantage of it, right? And, and sink into it and kind of go into that next level of performance, which we all can tap into. We just sometimes have to let it go, right? Let loose and let it take over. Um, and it was interesting because um, when you were talking about like the 10th of a second, I remember I did an interview for my podcast with a guy named Mark Allen. And I always find this, I, I love telling this story, but do, do you know who Mark Allen is by chance? Yeah. Okay. So most of your listeners, I guarantee, will not know who Mark Allen is. And he, I'll just lead in with this. ESPN named him the greatest endurance athlete of all time. Okay, that's a pretty cool thing. So uh, he is a triathlete. Um, he now does speaking and coaching of triathletes and businesses, all this stuff. So it was interesting, though, because at one point in his career, he was winning every triathlon known to known to man, right? He was winning everything. He's got a record of winning 21 in a row. Um, but every year he would go to the big one in Kona, Hawaii. I'm sure everyone's watched, I don't know, Ironman, NBC or whatever, but they do that recap of, you know, the Ironman triathlon, um, like one of the most difficult races in the world. And um, six years in a row, he lost, right? He would get anywhere from like, I think he was second to fifth place. And it bothered him so much that he was actually not contemplating not going back. I mean, this is a guy, he's literally, he's like, man, I'm winning everything like off the Island. And I go to the Island and I'm not winning and I couldn't figure it out. And he decided to give it one more chance to go back one more chance, right. To go back to the big Island. He thought maybe I've just got the bad, uh, I don't know, bad vibes on the Island. I don't know. Uh, but his friends and teammates convinced him to go back one more time. And, um, he rattled off six wins in a row, right? So he lost six mm -hmm. and then won six. And so I asked him, I said, Mark, I'm like, what happened between race six and race seven? Because that's a substantial shift and change, right? Like, what happened? And he said it was one small thing, one mindset shift that I had. And this is what I think is so powerful. And like in all of our lives, it takes 
we, we think it's this massive change already, right? That we have to, you know, completely rethink everything and retrain a different way and, and rework our business. It's like, no, it's, I bet one small thing that you need to make. Um, and he says, when he reflected back those first six races, his uh, thought process was 100% kind of caught up in how his competitors were training and how they were going to approach the race. He decided between race six and seven that he's going to completely ignore his opponents and he's going to train to the best of his ability. And when he shows up that day, he's going to swim his best swim. He's going to bike his best bike. He's going to run his best run and he's going to let the results happen as they want to. But he knows if he shows up his best, giving 100% of what he has at every moment in that race, that probably good things will happen. That one mindset shift, Ari, lost six and started winning and now set a record for winning six of the Ironman Konas in a row, another record. So again, it's when we talk about, um, you know, that, that tenth of a second, when we talk about like going from you know, getting second place and all of a sudden now you're in first place. It's that one shift in his mind. And for Mark, it was the fact of like, stop looking at others and look at myself. And that's where, uh, when he told that story, it resonated so well with me of like, um, and really made me look in the mirror, honestly, of like, am I showing up my best self today? Am I doing the things that I know I need to do? Cause we all know what we need to do. But are we doing them? Are we, when we look in the mirror at the end of the day, are we saying, yes, I utilize my, you know, God-given gifts and skills to their fullest today. I did the things I said I was going to do. I had integrity with myself. Um, that's what makes all the difference in the world. So um, we could go 15,000 different directions with this, but you, that really reminded me of that story of Mark Allen when we talk about that 10th of a second. That is, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, I was training with uh, Mike Hungerford, for quite a while. I don't know if you know who that is, but Mike Hungerford was the head of all Ironmen for like 40 years. I mean, she had, she had pretty much consulted every president since Kennedy, (laughs) their sports and therapy division. Right. And, uh, and I was training with her to take over all of her duties for the Ironmen when when she passed away and what I would ask her is if she felt like the issues that she was seeing with injuries and with uh you know pain and with cramping and all those things that she would see on a regular basis if any of that happened to the person who won that was the question I would ask is the person who was winning experiencing cramping at the end of their race when they're done they might have in the middle but when they're done right and she would say inevitably unequivocally no that when they won all their pain had left their body that didn't mean that the next day they weren't feeling it right right that moment (laughs) you know the pain was gone, the, the trial had lifted. And it was really fascinating to me because, you know, I, I've been to the Olympics, I've, I've been to the Paralympics. My favorite actually is the Paralympics because they, they win gold medals mm-hmm. regularly. 
and world championships and they beat the Olympic athletes and they beat the world records regularly, but they do so with such a level of humility and humbleness because of their condition that, you know, I, I, I tell the Olympic athletes, I'm like, you should be as humble as your Paralympic buddies because you're not so great. <laughs> you know, yes. I think you are. <laughs> but I think it just motivates them more. But, you know, the idea is that when, when your mindset is on that win, the pain goes away. When your mindset is on, you know, for your business, the results that you're getting, the pain goes away typically. And so let's relate that to uh, away from athletics a little bit to, to life in general. Are you living your best life day in and day out? And if not, from a mental toughness perspective, why not? Why do people not live their best life every single day? What, what is, what's the block, the obstacle for that? Yeah, at, at its basic level, it's, it's the brain doing its job, right? Because the brain is set up and there's all sorts of neuroscience out there, but it talks about the, the ancient part of our brain, which is, you know, 2 million years old and its entire job is back when we were cave men and cave women to protect us at all costs, right? So a saber tooth tiger is gonna jump out how do I fee or flee or fight or whatever I need to, but the brain is constantly looking for threats around us. And we first have to be able to recognize and just say it out loud. Okay. I know my brain does that because we have to start creating a different awareness of the way our brain works and the power within and the way we can kind of manipulate it and change it to open up the possibilities instead of constantly looking for the things that are, are going wrong, the things that are threats, which is going to hold us back, right? So when, you, when we perceive something as a threat, so in business, I mean, even doing this already, right? So you, you decided to start this podcast, awesome, right? Well, I imagine at some point there was this a little bit of fear cropping up, and maybe not you, right? You're, you're a seasoned guy, so like you, you get it. But I'm sure at some point you were like, oh my gosh, like, are people going to listen to this? Um, how do I reach all the people? What are they going to say? What if I get a bad comment? Like, these are some of the thoughts that start cropping up, right? And I can say this for myself because my podcast, I was like, I had those same thoughts, right? Um, but there's a recognition point of like, do, you, do I move forward or do I just say no and not start? And the ancient part of your brain is saying, stop because that could be threatening. Someone could say something bad about you. Your, their perception of you could be horrible. You're gonna feel bad about yourself. This is a threat, please stop. But when we start recognizing, hey, wait a minute, that's just a piece of data. That's just a piece of information. Now, how do I retrain my band to say, well, I'm gonna go do it anyway. And I'm gonna step into that fear. And I'm gonna, all these different tools that I teach for surround myself with the right people and use this tool or that tool to continue taking that step forward and just record an intro for the podcast, name it, uh, research how to even set one up, right? If I'm going to take these little steps forward to start creating that momentum to calm that kind of ancient part of my brain so I can move forward. Yeah. You know, I have all of those things, right? And what I did is I spent a whole lot of money to take a course to yeah. teach myself how to do podcasts, right? 
And then I also set up in my brain that because this is called create a new tomorrow, it inevitably will cause some controversy. I am hoping that it causes some controversy. I am hoping that people have negative things to say and start conversations about what we're talking about here. Because if we can adjust the status quo just a little bit and then adjust it again and then adjust it again, now all of a sudden we're making incremental changes and we're creating a new tomorrow. And so I had to set up in my brain because I am a people pleaser. And, uh, you know, it was funny because you're talking about, about uh, Mark Allen. And here's my thing. I was a baseball player growing up. I had an 80 mile an hour fastball in Little League. I was, I played for eight years and I was extremely good. I could switch hit. I was very, very good, except for when we had people in the audience, meaning people in the stands. Yes. All of a sudden, I couldn't hit a thing. All yeah. of a sudden, I, I couldn't get that throw, you know, perfect. Like I had a shotgun from as a catcher to yes. baseline on my knees. Yeah. I, didn't, I never had to get up off my knees. But during game time, that might have been off by about two feet or so, right? Mm. Yes. It, you know, it was, it's the thing about being that people pleaser instead of self pleaser, look, wanting to do great so that people will be proud of you versus you being proud of you. Yes. And that's a really fascinating dichotomy in the brain, how that happens because we are set for fight or flight. Yes. We're not really, you know, they say that our brain has, some motivation and pleasure, but the pleasure side of that motivation can be triggered more by alleviating the pain than going after pleasure. So it's kind of interesting. So let's talk a little bit about that and how the brain works in order, because the goal of this podcast is to change the world. So we want to give everybody like things that they can do immediately so, oh, yeah. and, and, you know, begin changing their tomorrow. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about what that looks like. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, I mean, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many cool parts of the brain and, you know, this word awareness, right? Creating this awareness inside of like, what are we thinking? What are we saying? And you're hundred percent right. Like, it all starts with this self-confidence. Like when I talk about, uh, you know, the kind of model that I use, there's these, these five different kind of attributes. So it's confidence. So when I, when I say, when I say mental toughness, right? So first of all, let, let's take a step back. When I say that I, you know, I'm, I'm on a mission to build, you know, mentally tough business leaders, mentally tough professional athletes, like fill in the blank, right? Um, the, where I always start is like, we have to define what being mentally tough actually means, right? It's, it's, I don't know, it's like being a great leader, right? If I walk in your office, babe, be a great leader today or be a better leader today. And then I walk out, you're like, what? Like, yeah, what does that mean? It be a thousand things. Like, what does that mean? So um, the, with mental toughness, um, there's kind of five elements the way I talk about it. So it's confidence, focus, emotional control, energy, and then consistent action, right? So if I wake up every single day and I'm confident in myself, I'm focused, I'm emotionally in control, I have the energy I need to perform at a higher level, and I'm, I, I'm focused on taking consistent action towards my goals, 
you're going to wake up one day and be like, holy crap, I just like went past my goal, right? It's just going to happen. But the core of it already starts with this, that confidence piece that you talked about. Um, everything comes from self-belief. Uh, launching a podcast, starting a business, asking a girl or a guy on a date. Uh, it's like the simplest things in the world. It starts with that belief in yourself. Um, and so I spent a lot of time there with, with people just becoming aware of your thoughts and the way you speak because it gives you amazing insight into what you truly believe about yourself, right? If you're that kind of person that is constantly discounting themselves and, and uh, saying, you know, you can't take a compliment, right? So you say, oh, that was an awesome podcast. I had a ton of fun today, Ari. If I say that at the end and you're like, yeah, but, and then you fill in something else. Well, come on, man. And just say thank you, right? Say thank you. Accept that, right? But then we discount ourselves. So it's, the language we use is very, very crucial. So um, two things I'll, I'll kind of talk about real quick. One is it's really simple things, right? It's starting to write down what you say and what you think, like what's going on in your head. Because again, the thoughts are powerful. The words we speak are powerful. But unless we actually write down what they are, we're never going to know right? It's like my wife has a nutrition coaching business. It's awesome. Um, she got feedback from a client just the other day. As a matter of fact, um, she had him do a food journal because we all sit there and say, Oh yeah, I eat pretty well. I, 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 you know, I drink enough water. I do all this stuff. Well, when you write it down and you see it as a piece of data, no judgment, just a piece of data in front of you, it gives you additional information upon which to act. It's really that simple. So the same, same thing is true of our thoughts and our words of write them down on a piece of paper so you can see kind of what you're feeding yourself. I just, I just want to emphasize before you go on really clearly what you just said to the audience. So audience, if you're listening to this, what he just said is that that information is just data. It's not good or bad. It's just information. And I know that some of you who have been on diets and some of you who have been in plans to get healthy, judge yourself for the choices that you're making and the data that you're looking at rather than just accepting that this is data and tomorrow is a different set of data if you make a different set of choices. So I just want to emphasize that because I think a lot of people tend to take data and create a lot of meaning about that data right? This is one of the things from Landmark and Lifespring is we're meaning making machines mm -hmm. and we make meaning out of everything, even if it has no meaning inherently in it, of, in it of itself. So I just wanted to emphasize that really quickly for the audience. Keep going. That's a, that's a key part because as soon as we attach an emotion to it, that's where we get in trouble. And that can be positive or negative, right? It, 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 whenever we attach an emotion to some piece of information, that's where we tend to get in a lot of trouble in business and relationships and all that as well. Right. We make assumptions. We, yeah. So that's a huge, huge piece. So simply writing stuff down is amazing and then switching it. Right. Because when you look at the way the brain works um, and again, I'm sure you all are aware of this, but I want to emphasize it again. Like your brain is malleable. We can, we can manipulate it. We can change it. We can create different neural pathways and we can break old neural pathways that aren't serving us anymore and create new ones. that are going to help like, accelerate us forward and get us to where we want to go in our lives. Right. That's my mission. Like you're here, you want to go here. Let me help you bridge that gap. Let, let's close that time gap. 
um, to getting to where you, where you want to go. And you can manipulate your brain. And there's so much science that we know that we've scraped the surface of it so far on the brain. Um, but simply, um, you know, they've done studies around like negativity versus positivity and what your cellular activity actually does based on those thoughts. And they can actually see like when you feed yourself a negative thought over and over and over again, um, two things happen. One is, um, we're going back to science class now, or this is great. Um, but we have little cells, right? And they got the nucleus and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, they have, uh, every thought creates a neuropeptide, right? And so peptides, like a, it's a physical thing. It's an amino acid. It's a protein. It's sent from your brain through your bloodstream and your cells grab onto it. Well, there's these little neural kind of transmitters that stick out of the, the cell that grab onto the peptides. And if you send the same type of thought over and over and over again, this, and this stuff blows me away. Um, it, it's amazing how powerful we are. Uh, but if you have the same thought, positive or negative, over and over and over again, the cell recognizes that you're continuing to send that. So it creates these kind of, it grows multiple kind of tentacles to grab more of that thought. And then they can measure it and say, if you send negativity, your cells actually slow down. Your energy level drops based on those thoughts. So I'm a simple guy already, but I look at that and I'm like, my gosh, like, what do I want to be feeding my cells? Right? Is it something that's positive? Is it something where, um, you know, I want them to accept more of what I'm sending it? Or do I want to continue making the choice? Right. Cause that's to your point just a minute ago, right? We have a choice. I have a choice of what I send my body. I have a choice of what I say to others. I have, I have a choice to what I say to myself. And if I want to show up with the most energy possible every day, I better be feeding myself because that's the basic level of the way we function. I better be sending myself that positivity. Right. So, so we're going we're gonna to break this down a little bit deeper for, for the audience because, um, you know, and I'll give you examples for me. I absolutely dislike the concept of affirmations and positive thinking because when that's being done or taught or told it comes across as very fake which means that your body recognizes that as a lie which means that you're you actually go deeper into the negative versus you're saying all these positive things but your body is going, that's a lie, that's a lie, that's a lie, that's a lie. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're, you're doing the opposite for yourselves. So, you know, a lot of people and a lot of gurus and a lot of the experts in, in the fields, positive thinking, do affirmations, do, you know, do this stuff. And I'm more of like, let's get really down and dirty with why I'm having these negative thoughts to begin with. And I like doing a lot of mirror work where I'm staring in the mirror telling myself all of these nasty things until I get to a place that I break down and I could go, okay, what was real in that and what isn't real? What's my mind? What's not? So I'm, I'm actually going to, to what I consider to be a reality check versus, mm -hmm. versus doing this as a Pollyanna kind of thing. So let's sure. break down a little bit so that people get an idea because I don't want this to be, you know, let's get motivated, right? And oh, yeah. think positive and you, your whole life will change because that has nope. a lot and it hasn't worked for a majority of people. It hasn't. And I think there's a couple of things. One is we have to understand because 
we're, we're a society based on instant gratification, right? And they've done the marshmallow test in the past and this other study around, you know, $2 versus $1, but looking at instant versus delayed gratification. And we're, we're all looking for the magic pill, me included. We're looking for the magic pill or the silver bullet, the whatever you want to call it, that I want results and I want them now and I want them fast. And I think that's where this, uh, like the affirmations and positive thinking, it gets a bad rap because I believe in those things. But there's a belief that I have to consistently do them because it's not going to happen overnight, right? And so that's where I think we get in a lot of trouble. And that's where when I'm talking with different groups and clients, it's like, let's start with the science. I, I need you to understand the way your brain works first and why we're really doing this. And, and then let's put a plan together so you consistently apply those things. Because it's, it's the compounding effect, right? We, we know this from a financial investment perspective that if I take you know, small bits of interest or small bits of dividends and then I reinvest them in the market, like over time as they grow, I will retire a millionaire. At least that's the goal, right? Well, the same thing is true of our health, of pain management, of growing a business, of, of starting to kind of rewire your brain and, and to, to become that person that, that you know you can be, it comes with consistency. It's compounding. One little shift in a thought, it because the next time you do it, you're building upon that. You're building upon that. You're building upon that. So it's about consistency. Um, I mean, there's all the studies about habits out there right now, right? And some say it takes 30 days, some say 60 days, 90 days, 120 days, whatever the number is if we simply put things in place that we know we can achieve and consistently apply, that's going to get us where we want to go. So we don't default back to like, Oh, this is stupid. Oh, the affirmation didn't work. Well, the affirmation didn't work because you did it two times. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, when I'm, when I'm trying to sell a speech or do something like that, I could make two calls and I might be over two. And then I'm like, well, that doesn't work. Well, I, is that, is that really right, Matt? Because you kind of gave up pretty quick, right? They must not like me. They must not like my stuff. No, no. I, maybe you just need to pivot. Maybe you need to adjust it. Maybe you need to look at it as data and information and decide what do you want to do going forward? Again, no judgment. What do I want to do? So that's where I think when we, when we start doing this brain training, right? And this is true of anything. Um, and I always liken it to like, uh, if, if you're married and, uh, or dating someone and, you ask uh, women, would you like a dozen roses once a year or one rose 12 times a year for each month? What do you think their answer is? Like 12 times a year, right? Oh, they want both. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> but I want the one a month and then I want, you know, at least two or three times that I want the 12. That's right. That's right. They that want it all. But no, but you look at that. Yeah. It's like it, but it's like, the women want the consistency, right? So it's that consistent. I love you consistently, not just like once a year and like, then off we go. So when we, when we start doing this, if we want that ultimate success, I mean, you look at these professional athletes, Ari, um, they've got to put up with a lot of different things. A lot of people saying things, this is true in business as well. Some naysayers, some people are behind them. Um, but if they consistently train at their sport and work every single day, that's what that that's what's going to get them to the highest level. That's what's going to get them to the highest level. 
Right. So let, let's talk a little bit about the brain and how that works. Uh, let's, let's say uh, just as a scenario, you're the guy that is motivated by the naysayers and I'm the guy that's no, you know, motivated by the, the positive affirmations that people are sending me, right? Yes. So there's two different kinds of brains and re- reactions and responding to stimulus right? So most people that I've seen tend to be more motivated by the naysayers than they are by the positive. It's harder for people to accept a compliment than it is to accept the negative and then try to even turn that negative into a positive. But get, what's, what's the, the science behind that, the neuroscience behind that? Yeah, it's, so it's all the same right? So we take whatever information we have, we internalize it, we attach an emotion to it, and then some sort of action happens from that, or inaction from that. And so to your point, yes, like we're all motivated by different things, right? I'm a very positive guy. Um, I love, uh, you know, when people compliment, you know, what I do. Uh, I'm a people pleaser as well, just like you. Um, but one of my biggest fears, ultimately, when you boil it down, I'm not scared of failure. Like I, I, it is what it is. I played a game based on failure, right? I mean, you, you get a hit three out of 10 times, which means you fail seven out of 10 times. You could be in the hall of fame if you're playing in the major leagues, right? You're, you're, you're doing pretty well. You're counting your money and life, life is in theory good. Um, so it's not the fear of failure, but it's the and this is where truthfulness comes in, like with yourself, right? Having a take with yourself. Like, what are you really scared of? For me, it's like what other people say and what they're going to think, right? So if I'm doing well, they're going to be really behind me. If I'm doing poorly, and this is what you see in sports too, right? You see it, all the naysayers come out. And all of a sudden your supposed best friends are now completely against you and hate you because you can't hit a ball or make a sale or whatever. So it's, but it's all the same of like, whether it's a naysayer, whether it's someone positive, it's like, how am I internalizing and, and attaching an emotion to it, which is leading to that thought, which is leading to that action or, or lack of action. And that's where that like awareness like comes in, right? Because again, if you're scared of that, the brain is going to automatically, the reptilian part of your brain is going to say, run, run, run just don't, don't do anything. Get out of here. You're in big, big trouble. Um, and you can't overcome this, right? There's, there's no way I'm here to protect you and go. Um, what's interesting is when we have these like big spikes in emotion, um, this, uh, there's different brain. I, uh, have you ever done brainwave training? Like yeah. had your brainwaves monitored? Yeah. It's, it's pretty incredible. Um, so there's, I won't go into it too much, but when you're awake, right, you're in your beta brainwaves are, are in full force. Okay. And there are three levels of beta brainwaves. So it's low, medium, high, right. Appropriately named. Um, and so throughout the day, you're in these different kind of levels of beta. Well, if you attach like something very emotional to it and you go into fight or flight response, and that could be in a meeting at work, it could be all these different situations could be something bad on social media. Somebody says something bad to you. You can be thrown into high beta and high beta is fight or flight response. 
what actually happens when you go to high beta is your prefrontal cortex, which is like the logical part of your brain, it actually shuts down. Because all your brain and body are worried about is getting you out of that situation, right? Fleeing, freezing, whatever. But it wants to get you out of that situation. So that's where most people sit. We allow that high beta to kind of control our lives instead of understanding that we have the power inside us to manipulate our brainwave activity. We can do that. We can actually pull ourselves out of high beta and to lower our beta to turn our brain basically back on so we can logically think about a scenario and what action I want to take going forward. So it's simply you taking, you know, five to six deep breaths. Sounds silly, sounds like, oh, that won't work. What it's doing, it does work because it's pulling you out of high beta to a lower beta, turning your brain back on so you can make a decision of what you need to do. Yeah, um, you know, I just, I just want to emphasize one point here just because uh, I'm a science geek and, and a therapist and that's what I do, is when you're doing those breaths, if you're breathing both in and out your nose, you'll shut your adrenal glands down and allow them to relax. You'll shut down cortisol levels. You'll allow your body to go into more of a sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system. Yep. If you breathe through your mouth when you're in that state, and this is a trick for athletes as well, if they're running a long marathon to breathe through their nose versus breathing out, their, out, out and in their mouth, is you turn on cortisol, you turn on the adrenal glands, and that can cause the anxiety to get higher. That's why when you see people and they're... <sighs> It's all always through their, their mouth that the anxiety is showing. Um, yes. And then if you turn that inward, breathe through your nose, you'll shut the adrenal glands down much, much faster and allow your body to go into that response of frontal cortex versus uh, reptilian brain fight or flight. Yes. That's a great point. Yeah, because it's that slow, calm, controlled breaths, right? Which you have the control. Um, if you choose to take it. So it's a huge, it's a huge piece that, um, again, we, we feel like we're under threat. Like we, we always say in the U S um, you know, first world problems, right? First world problems, like didn't make the sale of this big contractor. Like is all these like funny terms, but they're still perceived threats. So whether you're, you're in the you know first world and you live in the U S or whatever, it's still perceived threat. So it's the way you control it though, that pulls you back. Now I can make a proper decision. So it's just understanding the power you have within you. Um, so the other, oh, go ahead, Ari. Uh, so, um, and maybe, maybe we'll do this in a minute and let you finish what you're, what you're saying, but I want to pull this microscope and, and make it a little bit more of a macro. Um, you're living in a community, we're living in a town, we're living in a city right now where threats are perceived at a much higher rate. You have people who live in poor neighborhoods who basically make it the, the equivocal value of living in that neighborhood to, living in a, to being in a war zone. And so, if we're, if we're going to make systemic changes and create a different response outlet for, for people, right? Uh, 
more of, on, on a macro level, how do we get the people who are living through what they, the perception is of a war zone in these poor neighborhoods where they really are threatened with their life on a pretty daily basis, right? How do we shift that? Because, you know, I see a lot of people with their judgment hats on, you know, yeah. well, they shouldn't be doing it this way and they shouldn't be doing it that way and they should be this and they should be that, right? Yep. I want to I take this back to more of the science and your, and your realm of expertise because this is an issue that can be solved if we can recognize the causation of the root problems for it and, you know, hopefully fast, not slowly, eliminating those causes and root, you know, situations. So let's talk yeah. about that macro level a little bit. Yeah, we're getting into some deep stuff, Ari. My gosh, uh, I like it. Uh, you know, at its core, it's interesting because I think what what started coming up a lot recently, it's it's all fear-based that we're dealing with right now, right? So whether it's color of your skin or uh, your economic status or social status or like your belief about a presidential election, like we're, we're all fear kind of based, right? Because um, again, like, because our brain's built to protect us. I mean, even with this presidential election coming up, I can't tell you, and I, I've had to stop myself at certain points being like, if this person wins versus this person wins, what does that do to the economy from a business perspective? What does that do to the stock market? What does it do to regulation and business? What does it do to um, access to healthcare or not, right? So there's all these different um, scenarios that like I've been going through, I'm sure everyone's going through and it can fuel like a massive amount of emotion to it, right? So again, we have to uh, constantly like take that step back um, and understand, like, like we've talked before, not to repeat, but like understand the way your, your brain works, right? And we've got to be able to take a step back, pull ourselves back and be like, okay, wait a minute. I have this choice to look at this as data and information and figure out what can I control in this situation, right? How can I influence the decision? You know, one thing that, um, you know, we look at everything going on right now um, in this crazy world we seem to be living in right now. Um, first of all, it can be crazy or it cannot be crazy, right? We can be dealing with a situation and it, it is what it is. And it's just another bit of adversity that we have to face. And maybe the media has made it way bigger than it has to be. Maybe they haven't. Um, but it goes back to like a understanding that confidence in yourself of like, I've dealt with adversity before. Yes. This looks a little different. It feels a little different, but I've been successful before, so how do I want to deal with this going forward? Keeping the creative parts of the brain looking for the opportunities that are out there. Um, it's being able to look at someone and say, uh, with the confidence in myself of like, can we have a discussion on this based on facts and have the ability to kind of separate our emotions out of it and have that conversation and get to logically what steps are going to move this forward and keep us out of that kind of emotional, tense, stressful, cortisol-filled, high beta-filled state where nothing is going to happen. And I think that's where 
we're at right now of like getting back to like with this coronavirus stuff, I'm, I'm a big believer in like, let's look at the facts. Let's look at the data behind it because there are stories being told out there from both sides and in the middle of what should be happening and who should be doing what. Well, my, my personal opinion, not on coronavirus, but it's the same thing of like uh, dealing with some of the shootings that have happened and presidential election coming up, all this stuff, is we have to have that ability to pull ourselves back and be like, okay, what do I wanna influence and what can I control in this situation and what action am I willing to do to facilitate change, to stop change, to like, what do I want to do in this moment? But I've got to come at it from a state of logic and data, not emotions, which is not gonna, again, move the needle here. Um, so when like some of the shootings happened and Black Lives Matter started popping up, stuff like that, um, I mean, I've had, I personally decided that I'm gonna call some of my, some of my friends and, and try to figure out like, how can I help? How, how is a, you know, I'm a white male and obviously you can see that or, um, but how do I as a white male, have I been doing enough? Um, what can I be doing differently? How can I help support like this movement and like what's going on and like change the lives of people and, and understand that it's not, we can approach this differently, not from a place of fear, but a place of like opportunity and growth. And how can I best step into that? Knowing that I don't know everything, but I better prompt my brain to learn and figure out where do I want to be involved. So all of that, you know, that sounds good, right? Yep. But as we know, there are a lot of people who not only don't see the facts the same way, mm -hmm. right? Um, the facts these days, it's really difficult to see facts that are actual facts because, you know, with uh, whether it's with a virus or a pandemic, and, and I try to not... Uh, get too detailed into those individual things black lives matter you know um there are a lot of people who wouldn't have your perspective of what have i been doing what can i do what you know i don't it's there's a lot of defensiveness i'm not racist so therefore you should not be whatever right i am not this therefore this doesn't exist, yep. right? So perception, yes, you know, versus reality. Um, so getting beyond the I'm not, you're, I'm being defensive, you shoulds, you know, and all those things. Yep. How do we pull ourselves back away from that emotional attachment and say, I may not experience life the way you experience life, but that doesn't mean that your experience of life is wrong or is incorrect. How do we get to, to that place where it's like, I haven't experienced this, but obviously you have. And from that place, we could make a conversation versus I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. It's not me. Yes. It's not society. It's not systems it's correct individual people's experiences yes we think about it again it goes back to like what are they fearing when they say that what are they fearing is it perceptions of what other people are going to say about them maybe they've done something in the past that 
wouldn't look so good. They're afraid of being found out that they're some sort of imposter. Like what's the underlying piece of it. Right. So, but from my perspective, the way I look at it is like, first of all, um, it's not my job to convince other people, right. That they're entitled to their opinions. They're entitled to their thoughts. They're entitled to their beliefs about anything and everything. It's not my job to convince them. Um, my job is to make sure that I show up with the greatest amount of information that I have possible, um, that I kind of approach things every day to make sure I'm under, like uncovering the truth and, and like looking as best I can at what the truth is, is so I can make the best decision possible. That's a choice that I have made. And I think it comes down to everyone's choice of, of like every single day of like, what do I want to do with this? Because I can't, I have to control the controllables, right? In sports, we talk about this all the time, control the controllables. I don't know what the other team's doing. I don't know what the coach is doing. Um, I don't, when I, in baseball, I don't know what pitch is coming. I, you can't, I mean, yeah, you could try all the best tricks you can to figure out what they're going to throw. But at the end of the day, you don't know. So it's control the controllables. And in this case, all I, when I step up to the plate, I know I've gone through my routine. I know that I'm mentally prepared. I know that if nothing else, I'm going to look at his release point because that's where you're supposed to look, not look him dead in the eyes so that I can pick up the ball as quick as possible and see what spin is coming. Then I can make my adjustment and either swing or not, or take whatever action I need to. Right. Um, and the same thing's true in life of, of when we, when we approach things, approach in a way of like, what can I control in this situation? How do I want to prepare myself for this situation so I can react the best and come out the other side uh, as best I can for my family, for myself, for to like to prepare us for whatever, you know, might be coming, even though we don't know what's coming. Um, so, and I think that's a huge thing of like, you look back to at that Mark Allen story, he was so worried about what others were doing and how, what they were doing instead of saying, well, 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 that's great that they're doing whatever they're doing, but am I worried about them or am I worried about like how I show up my best self every day. And I think that's where this gap is right now of, it seems like it, and I fall into this trap too a little bit, but, but we're so worried about like what the media is doing and what these other people are doing, what these presidents, you know, elects are doing like, okay, hold on a minute. Am I taking full ownership of my piece of the puzzle here? And knowing that if people are going to disagree, that's fine. It's not, chipping away at my self-belief we just happen to agree to disagree on this topic and that's okay and it stops there period not a comma but i must it's not diving into hurting ourselves like right and chipping away at our our self-belief but it's like just stop like there period of we choose to agree to disagree on this situation but i'm going to take the steps necessary to go forward so it's it's that ownership mentality that has to, has to occur, right? It's no different than I hear people all the time of like, you know, are these people are doing enough about whatever. Okay. My next question to them is like, so are you getting involved in that to go facilitate the change? Or are you just going to sit here and complain about it from this emotional state instead of taking action forward? It goes back to that ownership, right? Uh, I could say in baseball, I want to hit, you know, more home runs. Well, if I never practice changing my swing or shifting my swing to hit the home runs, I'm never going to hit a home run. Or I may every once in a while, 
but I've got to be willing to make the adjustment and take action on it, not just talk the talk, but actually walk the walk. That's what's going to completely shift um, like the, the way we're, we're going in this world, right? It comes down to what's the data, what action am I going to take and go from there? I always, I'll tell us a quick story. Um, when I started my business, this goes back to data, right? Data is so important. It's just it's information, not to judge yourself, but to take, to make an adjustment, right? And sometimes we have to dig really hard to get to the truth and the data. But um, I always tell a story when I started out my business, I, people know, and I'm an accountant by trade, right? So I, I have my CPA and I came up in the accounting world and don't judge me everyone, but, um, but I'm a far I'm re recovering uh, CPA right now, but, but, you know, I far cry from that now, but I knew that I should be looking at my numbers, right? I should be looking at my revenue and I should be looking at other metrics that I know are kind of driving my business forward. Um, guess what I never did, Ari? Never did your books. Never did my books. Never looked at my numbers. Do you know why? Why? It's because I was scared of the story it was going to tell me. The fear cropped up to me that like, I don't want to look at the data for fear that it's going to tell me that maybe I'm off track. Maybe I'm on track, but I don't really want to find out. So I'm not going to look. It's like not looking at my batting average in baseball to see like, hey, am I hitting well or not? Just as a data point to be like, hey, I need to pick it up or like what's gone well, what's gone wrong. And so I've trained myself over time to understand that like whatever's out there is out there. I've got to look at the data. I've got to just sit with it for a bit, not judge what's going on, not judge what other people are saying or thinking or perceiving of me and my business um, or the world and figure out what action I can take based off that information. It's really that simple, but it's a brain thing of like getting out of that reptilian part of the brain, getting more logical, keeping the emotions separate to say, wait a minute, this is the step I'm going to take forward now. Gotcha. So there's a, there's a tool that we used to use when I was uh, participating in Sterling Institute of Relationships and their, uh, their men's programs and division, you know, men's divisions and stuff. And uh, the tool is called the world sucks chart. It's an interesting tool because it's a, it's an inverted uh, pyramid basically. Mm -hmm. And it starts with the self and then it goes to the family mm -hmm. and then it goes to your community, like your block, right? Yeah. Yes. The larger community, the, the city, the county, the state, mm. right? The country, other countries, till so you get to the world, right? And it's designed to give you a ladder to climb so that, which is why it kind of sucks because you always need to be on the number one, on the, on the bottom rung while you're doing everything else, right? You always need to be, that's why it sucks. You have to be really flexible <laughs> to be able to stretch this far, but you have to act for yourself first. Yes. But unfortunately what sucks is most people stop there mm -hmm. or they stop at the next level, which is family, mm -hmm. right? So we're seeing this massive thing of, you know, we got politics going right now and the politics are national politics. Yes. However, the issues 
are almost all very local. And so we have people who are focused on two different places, themselves and family and the world at large. And the rest of it is being eroded. The rest of the ladder is rusting away because nobody's using it to oil it up with their handprints, you know, and their body oils. It's all rusting because nobody's getting into these little pieces, right? And so we've got to go back to this idea of we have to act locally in order to create world change. So how do we get the mindset away from this? We've got national news and world news all the time nowadays, right? We have everything is, is this big, huge, massive scale picture, which frankly is part of what I think is causing people to go into fight or flight. Yes. You can't focus on the world until you're taken care of until your family is taken care of, until your community is taken care of, until your city is taken, right? That's yes. the, the ladder of, and why it's called the world sucks chart. Because okay. what we want to do is go from here to here and just fix the world. And what we need to do is make sure we're acting. And so I'm going back to your premise at the beginning of our conversation, right? About taking that self inventory and acting as your best self every day, creating yes. the, the habits and stuff, and then incorporating the next step, which is the family, and then incorporating. And this is one of my biggest issues too, because, you know, frankly, I want to change the world. I look at the world and I go, this world, you know, is not operating for peak performance. I want to get better results. So how do we get better results? And that's where I focus. And I sometimes will lose focus on self-care, taking care of my own body, my own needs, and then my family's body and my family's needs. And so how do we get people to kind of take that step down and back so that we can make that bigger impact on the world? Uh, simply put, um, in one of our, kind of marching orders is energy, right? Um, I believe if you show up every single day with more energy than the person sitting across from you, in front of you, in the audience that you're talking to, whatever, if you show up with more energy than them, the chances are you're gonna influence them in a positive way, right? Assuming positive energy you're bringing across, right? Um, and to your point, if we're gonna show up and have a big impact with our kids, with our families, with the people we work with, the people we want to work with, we, have got to ensure that we are doing the right things mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Uh, we're doing the inner work that we need to do so that when I step on that stage or get on that podcast or go to the office or step on that sporting field, that I'm showing up like, here I come. Here I come. And right now I'm giving you 100% of what I have. I may have 50%, right? When you talk about these long battles, like these long races, like that triathlon, he, he talked to Mark Allen. He said at certain points, I only had 50%, but he said, I was giving you hundred percent of 50%, right? So it's how do we show up with the hundred percent of, of who we are so that we can take the action necessary to influence the people in front of us to ultimately have that kind of cascading change down the line. 
So it's a conscious decision. Like one thing I do every morning, I've got like right here, um, but there's certain things that I teach that I actually practice what I preach. And I've got, you know, what I call my stand and it's the B is the principles and values that are guiding my life. It's the uh, behaviors and actions and reactions. It's basically the way I want to show up every day and the actions I'm going to take to do that. Um, I read that every morning and it's level setting me to be like, wait a minute, I'm asking all these other people to do these things. But if I'm not, let's back up. If I'm not willing to do those things, then why should I expect them to do those things? So again, it's this choice every morning, or it could be at night, it could be whatever, but pick a time during the day where you're going to take a step back and look at yourself and be like, am I doing the things? Am I pointing the fingers back at me, right? Because I'm sure you heard the saying, like when you point your finger at someone, there's three fingers pointed back at you, right? Right. So you have your other fingers pointed back at you of like, am I doing those right things? That's just, it's a simple conscious decision, but setting aside five minutes, 10 minutes a day, literally to look at yourself and say, okay, how am I, how, how am I showing up today um, to have this big impact? Um, because, and that's the other key part, it's how do I show up my best self so I can have the biggest impact with others? It's a focus on others. The biggest lesson I learned, and I've been fortunate to speak on, you know, some pretty big stages and have some, in front of some pretty big people and like, it's been awesome. But there was a significant shift I had one day where when I started out my career speaking, it was all about, I got to say the right thing at the right time with the right inflection, with uh, the, the, the right step and motion as I went into the words, right? It was about me. It was about like, I better show up perfect. I better be perfect up there because then my message won't get delivered. It had nothing to do with who was sitting in the audience. And it was a number of years ago, I had this like epiphany and shift of like, this has nothing to do with me. Like, it doesn't matter what I'm wearing. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm going to say what needs to be said. I'm going to prepare the heck out of it, right? But it's how do I make those people sitting in that audience or even on this podcast or a one-on-one -on -one conversation or a coffee, like, how do I make them successful? How do I need to show up so that they're successful? And so it's this balance, this yin and yang of like, I've got to be my best if they're going to be their best. And if they're going to be their best, then I better be my best. So it's this yin and yang back and forth but this decision every single day that I'm, I'm going to choose this. Like how cool is this that I get this choice to wake up and like read this or spiritually prepare or um, make a to-do list, but I can show up prepared today so that I'm going to go kick some butt so I can control the controllables and, and have the influence that I was put on this earth to make. It's this simple, but I don't know, seemingly difficult decision that we each get to make every day. And most of us, 99% just say, oh, whatever. I'll just deal with what the day brings instead of saying, wait a minute, no, no, no. I'm gonna show up a certain way and I'm gonna influence the outcome of, of what this world's gonna be. Cool, so one of my, one of my uh, things, you, you said the word influence a, a few times there. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna share one of my discontentments, right? Mm -hmm. With influencers. And my discontentment right now with influencers, impactors, people who are making a stand for something mm -hmm. is that they're doing so in a way that works for them and not necessarily in a way that works for the people that they're trying to impact, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And so when, when I look at, at my career, 
as uh, you know, Olympic, Paralympic, pro athlete, trainer, um, you know, therapist. I'm I'm working on their bodies. I'm working on their minds. I'm working on their nutrition. I'm working on all kinds of things. But the the one thing that that I always did, always had to do if I wanted to get the results that I wanted to get is I had to do a really thorough client intake, mm -hmm. a really thorough one. Cause I had to find out exactly who this person was that was in front of me, not just the, the stats that yes. they had, not just their data, but I, I had to know this, these people, if I wanted to get the results that meant the difference between first place and last place that yes. meant it's even between first place and fourth place, which is even more, you know, disconcerting for some, yes. but, we had, we had to get results. If we didn't get results, and I say this a lot, if we didn't get results, I didn't have a job. I didn't yep. have business. And people don't seem to get the results that I would like to see impactors, right? I look at somebody and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to call them out, but I'm going to say this person impacts tens of thousands of people sometimes at once, right? In big rooms, and 90 something percent of the people that are there will be motivated for two to three weeks mm -hmm. and then will need to either go back to another event to continue their motivation or they fall, yes. or fall off. About maybe 10% of those people, well, maybe 5% of the people take the actionable steps, spend six months, maybe even a year doing the things that they're being told and then they fall off. And then maybe the other 4%, right? Yep. Great long-term change. And then maybe 1% is going to be the biggest, yes. you know, next new thing. Right. So, yep. and I'm making up these numbers, obviously that this is, this is my. Well, it's new, new year's resolutions stats. Yeah, absolutely. Keep going. It's my belief in numbers, but this is a basic premise. So I want to change that those numbers. So actually I, I've been developing a mastermind course that I'm designing the same way I, as I design a, a athlete going from an injury to a gold medal or a world championship. Yes. Because everybody's starting with some kind of injury. Yes. Some kind of mental, emotional trauma, injury, something. And so I figured if I designed this in a certain way, then I'm going to get 90% having the results, not 90% not having the results, right? I'm going to switch, flip the switch on it. I'm yes. still going to have, there's still going to be 10% of the people that, you know, you just can't help. You might not be the right person for. Correct. But the, the idea is, is to design things that work for the majority versus the minority. So I get pissed off a bit because I see them taking everybody's money and lowering the value because they're, they're charging a lot and they're getting very poor results in many cases. Yep. And so the value goes down, even though the price is going up and then somebody like me comes along or somebody like you comes along and yep. we have these massive skills, right? Yes. <laughs> to get more of the 90% to get, better results and though and we're the ones typically 
who, while we, we may not necessarily be struggling, but we're not the ones that are on stage. So I want to kind of flip the switch on, on this a little bit and find out both how we can impact these impactors more so that they are really designing to get better results, corporations designing to get results, governments designing to get results, systems in general designed to get results. How do we, how do, how do we switch this? so that I can be calmer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and Ari, it's funny, like my, as you were talking about that, uh, my f two thoughts. One is like, why, why are you following these people? And you don't have to answer this. It's more rhetorical. Um, and let me talk about that for a minute because we spend, we only have so much energy during the day. Right. So we wake up with a certain amount of energy and that's how we go to sleep at night because we've expended the energy and need to recharge. Right. So we've got these, I don't know, I'll call them little coins in a piggy bank. Right. And, and, and we've only got so many withdrawals from the piggy bank before the pig needs to go to sleep again. Well, we spend so much of our time expending energy on things that really don't matter. So that's why my first question of like, when we start getting heated and like, like, I don't know, just excited about that stuff, right? I, again, I've been there, but it's like, why are they doing well or, or whatever? But again, now, now we're focusing all of our attention and energy on someone else that we have zero influence over who they have made their choice. And we're putting expectations on those people. You should be doing this. You should be having a different influence there. That's not our problem. That's not our choice. That is their choice to wake up and make that decision for themselves every day. So if we start, stop putting our expectations on others and instead take our energy and figure out, okay, uh, what, one thing I learned in sports is I, I would always compare myself to other players, right? And, and they, they were a lot of them bigger, stronger, faster, all that stuff. Hit a ball further, all that stuff, right? That didn't serve me very well because I was watching them instead of working on what I needed to work on to maximize my potential, right? And, and hit a baseball as far as I could. I was more worried about what they were doing and focused and listen, watching and, oh, this sucks. And now, now the negativity starts, right? Well, I'm taking no action on the other side. So what I learned over time is to say, to look at these other people out there and come with this attitude of gratitude, right? And it sounds ridiculous and people are like, oh my gosh, like have this attitude of gratitude blah 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 well the reason you have this attitude of gratitude and again there's studies around this that when you when you like say you're thankful for something and it could be something completely unrelated to like the situation like your cortisol actually drops and cortisol is your stress level I and mean, they've done studies on this stuff it's not like matt making this stuff up on this side like, they've done studies of like i'm thankful for um I don't know, what am I, what am I looking at here? Uh, a selfie stick, I got a selfie stick, so no I that's right. I could say I'm thankful for the selfie stick. Like, you're like, what? But that has this effect of actually lowering your stress level, your cortisol, right? If you consistently practice that. So what I learned in sports is to look at other people and other athletes and be like, you know, that's, that's pretty incredible. I'm very thankful that they have that ability and they can hit the ball that far and do all this stuff. And then I have the shift of what do I need to do right now to, again, show up my best self, to maximize my potential. Like, what do I need to get to work on so that I can get to my people, right? Their people may not be my people. How do I get to my people so I can have the influence 
that I know I can have and get the results for those individuals. And then if those other people over here want to come, that's great. We're getting, we're doing some cool stuff over here, but I'm going to take control of my world and, and really own like that on a, every, on every, like every single day. Does that make sense? So it's like stopping, looking, pausing, being thankful for what they're doing and stop putting our perspectives on them. And, and then saying, what do I need to do right now? And shift that. And the quicker you do that, the quicker you learn to do that, that's when you get the momentum in your business and your life, every year of your life. Yeah. See, for, for me, I get the motivation to do things differently by what I see other people not doing, in my opinion, what would be as optimized. And so I learn from them what they're not doing. I yep. see gaps in their training. And then that's when I come and I'll take in and re, uh, reinvigorate their trainings and, and make them a little bit more effective and get better results with them. Yep. And that's the key though, is like you, you're taking that, whatever that is, that emotion, and you're saying, I'm gonna use this positively and like actually do something with it. Where most don't make that decision we sit with and continually look at those other people, other people, other people and stew. And then all of a sudden a day goes by, a week goes by, a year goes by and we're no closer to our end result um, than where we were before. Right. So one of your, uh, <clears throat> your contributions that you were talking about uh, before we got on this call that you wanted to make is you want to help people get out of their own way. You want to help people tap into the power of their brain and help them achieve their wildest goals. Um, it's a great thing to want to impact in people. How do you get people to begin the process of getting out of their own ways when it, when it comes to things like somebody living a life that they think that they should be living, even though it's not the life they want to live. So for instance, somebody who's going to a job 40 hours a week or 60 hours a week, and isn't really doing the thing that they're passionate about, but they're doing it because they think that that's what they need to do to make money. Mm -hmm. um, I, I told you a little bit ago, I grew up in accounting. So I fully understand that. <laughs> I was good at accounting, I was good at auditing, but um, there, there was always this, I knew there was something greater, I knew there was something bigger. Um, you know, I grew up with a belief that I was supposed to go to high school, get good grades, go to college, get good grades, get a good job, climb the corporate ladder, become a CEO one day. Awesome, that's what I did. That's the path I followed because I believe, I, I grew up with that belief. Right. That was something that I, I told my mom, like she really influenced me with because my dad was a salesman. It was kind of the results were up and down. It was stressful on the, the family. Um, and so that's a belief that now being an entrepreneur, I've had to really dive into and figure out where did that come from? Is that true or not that you have to climb? You have to follow that path or are there other paths available that still could provide the stability that, you know, I was kind of seeking and, and uh, that my wife needs as an example. Um, so it's first and foremost, it's um, I always start people out with like, okay, let's shift our thinking because most people show up and they're miserable, right? So it's, 
you know, Monday when we're recording this, um, I woke up with a little fire and passion in the belly this morning. I was excited to get up, uh, not only to do this, but for the rest of the day. And um, I know most people don't feel that way necessarily in those 40 hour a week jobs, right? So simply put, um, I, this is where I start with all my people. If I go, I hate my job. I'm like, what do you like? Tell me one thing you actually like about your job, right? Because there's got to be something that you actually like about your job. Because again, there's a, a different part of our brain uh, called the RAS, the reticular activating system. And I actually have a free training on this on my website um, where I dive into the, uh, the whole concept. But at, at its highest level, it's the filter at the base of your brain filter between the subconscious and conscious mind, right? So the subconscious mind is on all these sights, sounds, smells, blah, blah, all those situations going on that we're really not aware of, right? right? And then our conscious mind is what we're actively focused on. And so with all this information, uh, how does the brain know what to pull forward and make us consciously aware of, right? And that's where the RAS comes in, this filter. And so I always uh, use this example of a, uh, have you heard the phrase that bad things happen in threes? Yes. Um, so when one thing goes wrong, then we look and oh, there's another thing that went wrong. And then finally another thing goes wrong. Right. Well, why don't bad things happen in sixes? Cause that's not the saying, right? Bad things happen in threes. You, so you've, you've told your RAS as part of your brain to, to believe this, and so that's why it stops looking after number three. All it's doing is looking for data. This RAS is looking for data. It's not emotional. It's not, it's just saying, oh, bad things happen in threes. I believe that. So I'm going to sift through all this subconscious stuff and I'm going to pull forward exactly what you're thinking about, exactly what you're looking for. And then in that case, I'm going to stop right at three, right? If the, if the saying where bad things happen in sixes, you would find six things because your RAS would go search for that information, no matter how big or how small, and show you six things that have gone wrong, right? So it all comes down to our beliefs. So we have to, again, shift our thinking and reset our RAS. We have the power to do that. We just have to say, hey, RAS, show me something positive about my job. Show me something I enjoy. Show me where I get energy and start shifting the way you see your business and the way you see your job, because then, then we can actually take action but you have to free up your mind to start looking for the good, start looking for where perhaps you get energy because then we can start saying, oh, wait a minute, let's strategically get into this. How do we move the needle so where you're doing more of that sort of thing? Can we position you differently at that job? Can we find you a new job? Can, do you need to start a business? Maybe, maybe not. Like entrepreneurship's for some people, it's not for others. Um, but it's, it's starting to have our brain show us the data that we're looking for and show us we're moving in the right direction. So that's where I start with people. Like we got to start understanding your brain starts with small things. So let's at least shift the raspberry. What, what do you actually like about your job? Because I guarantee you like something. It could be your coworker. It could be the coffee is the greatest coffee in the world. Awesome. Well, maybe at your next job or at this, I don't know, you look for a company with the same coffee. I don't know. I'm making stuff up here, right? But, right. but it's like, there's a way to start moving towards this. Um, but we got to start with the basics. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. When you buy a new car, your RAS activates. Yep. And all of a sudden you start seeing that, you know, your car everywhere, even if you hadn't seen it before. Yes. As a preemptive strike on your RAS system, right? Let's say that you want a Lamborghini. You can activate your RAS to see Lamborghinis everywhere. 
Yes. And then all of a sudden you start seeing them and start seeing them and start seeing them. And then maybe yes. possibly that's going to end up being your car soon. Right. Yep. But that's, that's, you know, to me, a good explanation of what the RAS system is as well, because most people have that experience of I bought a car and then all of a sudden I started seeing it everywhere. I know my, uh, my friend, he bought a van, like a Honda Odyssey van. He had never thought he was going to ever buy a van before, but he wanted something he could transport things in. Yep. And, uh, and he bought a van and all of a sudden he starts saying, I start, I am seeing this van everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah. That's your RAS. That's your, your uh, reticular activating system that, that is yes. seeing the thing that you are focused on. Yes. So, that's a huge thing. You talk about, go back to that real quick, like the whole stuff going on in the world. And if you're setting your RAS to look for everything going wrong in the world, what do you think you're going to find? Everything going on in the world, right? Or in a relationship, if you find you're nitpicky with your husband or wife or partner or whatever, and you, you're saying like, well, they're doing everything to go against me. Well, what, do you, what is your brain? Your brain's going to show you data. It's not going to be like, oh, Matt, that, okay, you shouldn't think that. No, it's just like process information. Boop, there's something he or she did to yeah, prove, it, prove it, that. Because when, when somebody says, I'm looking for the good in somebody in somebody else in a relationship you're in a relationship and the person is is saying there's all this negative things around so i'm going to take a, a a little bit to look for the good are they actually looking for the good or are they activating that part of them that says everything is bad so i have to look for good in order to find it uh, so it depends how you phrase this the statement right so if you lead with like well everything's bad well if that's more powerful, then your RAS is going to look for everything bad, right? Or if you start to say like, show me some, show me the positive things that he or she does, right? Show me the opportunities opening up a business. Show me the, it's shifting that dialogue. So your RAS actually knows what to go look for. That's, that's back to like taking a compliment. Well, thank you, but you know, I just, I kind of came through easily. No, thank you. Thank you trigger your brain the right way. Yeah, that's one of the things I, I definitely worked on in my early age uh, was being able to, to take compliments. Even, even nowadays, it's, uh, it's really interesting. My son will say, you know, you're the best dad ever. You're awesome. And I have those places still in the back of my brain from growing up and being a child and being told that I would never be, that I would, you know, that that I was a uh, bad influence that I, you know, I was, that I was all these things. Yes. Um, that becomes a very difficult thing. And my practice is when he says that to say, thank you, I really appreciate you noticing that about me mm -hmm. instead of thank you. And, or thank you, but, or, you know, like, yes, it um, takes courage to put the period where you're used to putting a comma. It takes courage and that builds confidence when you finally step in and own it. Yeah, and that's, that's a really good thing for the audience to remember when they're being complimented and they're being uh, given a gift of any kind, whether a physical gift or, or a compliment of a gift or, you know, things like yeah. that is, is that thank you. 
when I was at Pink Potentials, that's what one of the, the exercises we did was mm -hmm. if somebody gave you a compliment, you, your only response was thank you. So only thing you were allowed to say was thank yes. you and then walk away. You couldn't, yes. you couldn't compliment them back, by the way, either. Mm -hmm. Because that is also a form in some ways of discounting the compliment to you. Yes. Is, you know, so it, it's an interesting thing to, to look at these parts of how your brain, how we function as a society. So let's bring it back to the societal level. And, um, you know, if I, if I could put a hundred year plan together, I would. Right. Well, I can, but, and I have, but if, if I could put it on, on this uh, segment of, of the show, I, I would just like put it on and say, okay, here's the, the hundred year plan. But let me ask you a question. This is not one that I've asked anybody else at this point to this point, but I was thinking about doing a panel when I get come to Colorado and, and see you guys. Yes. I want, I want to do a, like a four person panel and have a discussion but the first question I would, I would ask is because I like to start at the end is what is possible? No caveat, just world individual doesn't matter. If you close your eyes and you see the world as you would want to see it, what's possible? For the world. For tomorrow. Create a new tomorrow. What's possible? Hmm. That's a loaded question. I take it. I, it's interesting. I, I, when you ask that question, the first thing that popped in my head was like, oh, we've ended world hunger and everyone gets along, right? No more wars, all those things. Um, and then your monkey brain kicked in, didn't it? It totally did. And then my next thought was really of, not selfishly, but like, if I think about the possibility and me the influence that I can have on people, because I always go back to like, there's certain things in my control and certain things not in my control. And I remember my, and this is true of everyone, my dad passed away from cancer about six years ago. And some of his, you know, last, one of the last conversations we had, he made a comment of, you know, if you, like, I know with, I have no doubt in my mind that if you put your mind to something, you'll be successful at it. And the key in that whole phrase is if you put your mind to it, meaning if I commit, if I um, decide that this is something worthy of, of my energy and time and effort, that there'll be a lot, a lot of ups and downs along the way, but I'll ultimately get where I want to go. And so my dad saw that in me. Um, and I think when I think about like what's possible, I really start with like myself and I go to my family next because we have three kids and married to a great woman. And, and I always think to myself, gosh, if I could just 
look in the mirror one day and have known that I maximized my potential, right? Because I know if I do that, then I show up in a great way for my kids and my wife, which means I show up in a great way for my clients, which means I show up in a great way for the, no matter anybody who crosses my path, I'm going to show up that like that way that impact can have like lasting effects. Right. And so whenever I set my mind to and decide that this is a, this is a, a cause that I believe in. This is a uh, profession that I've, I've chosen. This is a way of life that I'm going after. This is like the people I want to influence, like whatever it is. If I choose ownership in that, I don't know what's going to happen, but all I know is that, that there's going to be like a positive influence on that. So if world hunger is your thing, then go after it. If politics is your thing, go after it. If, um, whatever growing a business is your thing there's amazing things that can happen that once you realize that you're in more control than you think um incredible stuff can happen i mean i i truly believe like i i, I won't say anything in this world is possible because there's so many uncontrollables already this being realistic with stuff but there's a heck of a lot more that's in our control that that we give ourselves credit for and we give society credit for and if we surround ourselves with great people who are passionate as we are, um, we, we can move some, some pretty big challenges out of the way. Absolutely. So <clears throat> what I like to, to think about when I think on that question, what is possible is that anything that I want to be possible is possible. And then when that monkey brain starts mm -hmm. showing up, right? So let's say it's world hunger and the monkey brain shows up and says, yeah, but, <clears throat> yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. So we know it's possible. It's possible to feed everybody. Then the yeah, buts come up. The yeah, buts become the action steps, Yes. right? Instead of being the stopping of they become the action steps and you could break down those yeah buts if you can follow them and write them down you could break down the yeah buts in yes. their small little actionable steps and actionable forms so let's say you know it's uh it's the issue that we've been having with race mm -hmm. and, um so the the what is possible is that we all can get along kind of go back to rodney king right can't we all just get along? Yes. Yes, we can. Yeah, but we need to, oh, that's a thing we can deal with. Yeah, but that, oh, that's a thing we can deal with. And then you could go, okay, so who can deal with that? Who can, who's, who's the best one for that role? Who's the best one for this role? Who, that, and this works the same thing in, in a company. If you have a company and you have a thing that you'd like to create for your company, what's possible for the company? And then you dig and you break down all the yeah buts. I like that. And that way you can actually create a system designed to get the result that you're wanting versus the result you think you have to live with. Yes. I like that. Well, world hunger starts with one meal. So yeah, but there's not a huge organization to feed everybody or there's not a supply chain put in place or whatever. Okay. Well, I, all I can do is start with one meal and then 
figure out what adjustment I can make there. How do I make it two? How do I make it a hundred? How do I make it a thousand? Exactly. And you know, like one of my, one of my things for, for world hunger is funny. It's probably one of the most simple things you can imagine. It's instead of planting a whole bunch of palm trees on the side of the road, plant a coconut tree, a plum tree, an apple tree, an orange tree, a plum tree, an apple tree, a a coconut tree, a plant berries and bushes, you know, so anybody who's walking down the street in a park can pick a fruit off off of the tree instead of walking through the park and, and just having to deal with oaks that make a mess. They take the same amount of effort and time to uh, for, for the communities to clean up, yep. right? Yep. Make tidy. But now you have fast food. <laughs> yes. Relying on it being about money. You're not relying it on it being about anything else. That's just one possibility you know uh every school has has land whether it's on top of a roof mm-hmm. or you know on the playground areas right so every school can create community gardens that then they have unlimited supply of of landscape people because all the kids can be learning how to grow food yes right and now yep. have, not only is the food fed for the school but you could probably produce enough to have a farmer's market to actually do some funding for the rest of the community and the school. Yes. These solutions that I see are solutions that can be so freaking powerful to end world hunger. Right. But you would never have gotten there if you didn't ask the question, what is possible? Correct. Well, and to add on to that already, and you, we wait so long for others to do that when we have the power in ourselves to just take the first step. Exactly. And that's the, that's the magic. That's the magic of why wait for others when you can do it yourself and you don't have to have it all figured out and solved, but just do that one first thing. Right. And you don't have to do the thing that you're not passionate about because there's going to be somebody passionate about that that can do that part and the thing that you're passionate about is the thing that you can do and hold your tribe around that and people with different skill sets and so that's just kind of like for the audience you know here's something if you really want to create a new tomorrow ask this question what's possible and then every time your monkey brain gives you a yeah but write it down because then you'll find that there are, there are solutions to every yeah, but that you got. And, uh, and it makes the yeah, but less, less uh, of a negative and more of, oh, well, here's a thing to overcome. Here's a thing. To, here's a challenge that we can overcome. Here's a solution yes. that we can create. You know, yes. there's one of the, uh, the things I've heard recently is every, uh, every problem has a solution that can make it, uh, I'm trying to remember the exact, every problem has a solution. Every issue has, or uh, every issue has a cause, every cause has a root, every root has a problem that can be uh, fixed with the solution. And so if you think kind of that that way, you'll, you'll get what you need. So true. 
whether that's another person involved, whether it's 20 people involved, but whatever it is, you know, human trafficking is a big one these days, right? You bet. You bet. Yeah, it's, yeah, I like that a lot. It's the, uh, yeah, it forms your to-do list when you yeah. think about it. Yeah, so yeah, if you can think of like human trafficking, I have a, I have a number of people who are in uh, nonprofits that, that work on that, right? But if you're in, in that world, so what's possible? Yes. That there's no more people being enslaved. That's, that's possible. Yes. Right? Or being trafficked and kidnapped. Yes. It needs to happen. Well, the, peop- the places that those are more likely to happen, we can create some concentrated effort in. The industries, that's likely to happen. We create some regulation. I mean, there's things, the yeah, buts just lead to solutions. Yeah, but solution. Yeah, but solution. And trigger your RAS to say, look, give me solutions for this. And the RAS will magically show you the solutions. Exactly. Amazing. So we're going to end this and I'm going to have you on when I'm in Colorado. We'll do a panel. uh, We'll have a few people. So it'll be a a really lively uh, show. But uh, in the meantime, I ask this every time, three actionable steps that somebody can take that's listening in the audience right now that they could take in order to change their life and create a new tomorrow. So first thing, start writing down your thoughts because you got to get a baseline of where your head's at. And if you get it on paper and on paper, I'm telling you, not on your phone, not spoken into some voice app on paper, you have to start getting that, that baseline and creating awareness of your thoughts so you can take action going forward. Um, second thing I will tell you, start uh, related to that, but start triggering your RAS, the reticular activating system differently. Position it to look for things that you want instead of things that are getting in your way or things that are holding you back. Start making that choice every day to set your RAS. And the third thing I'll leave you with, and that I'm a big believer in, and I spoke about it earlier, but this compounding effect, you know, the small things adding up, it's all about taking action, but take small action. You may think it's the silliest thing in the world to drop down if you want to get a better shape and do one push up a day, but start small because it will begin adding up and create this momentum and give this dopamine hit again, triggering your brain and your body. Um, to get you where you want to go and business that starts with one call for a sale and relationships that starts with one dinner out or just asking the question, but do the small things consistently and you'll be amazed, amazed at where you get. Awesome. So number one, let's repeat. Number one, write down your thoughts. Got to get a baseline. I'm, I'm just going to add because you did kind of allude to it. Why is it that writing is going to be different than typing or different than speaking? You look at the, well, so look at the statistics, first of all, on like writing versus saying versus teaching versus all this stuff, right? But what writing does as well, what I found every single time is it strips you emotionally out of the situation as soon as you see it and can analyze it differently. It's a huge effort. Yep. Okay. It also activates, uh, when you write, it activates your motor response to your brain. So thereby taking out um, some of the 
demotivation. Um, it actually helps to motivate your, your body's movement in action. Uh, it doesn't work quite the same way as typing or speaking. Yep. But if you write something, and, and this actually works both hands. What's kind of funny is if you're typically a right-handed person and you start writing left-handed, you'll find that your creative side gets much easier. You could actually take a writer's block and alleviate it and mm -hmm. things like that by using your, your left hand. So uh, it's, it's good for mind-body connection. Yes. It helps with memory. It helps with focus. And then if you read it afterwards, and then if you teach it to somebody afterwards, that becomes more ingrained in your cells. So if you're looking to do, say, a habit, change a habit, if you're an audience member and you're looking to change a habit or create a new habit, then what you're going to do is you write it down and then you speak what you wrote down and you can even record it and then you can listen to yourself as you read it so that you are hearing it, you're teaching it, and now all of a sudden it becomes more ingrained in your body and you're more likely to do that action. Second is RAS system. Yep. Ignite the RAS. So what do we want to focus on and how do we word it so that we're changing our perceptions and what we see from the positive or from negative to positive. And I'm going to just add to that because we have this massive social media thing where we're all in our echo chambers listening to other people that sound exactly like we sound because they're, you know, programmed through algorithms to basically be the people that agree with us. Yep. So on that level of your RAS system, change your algorithms for social media so that you're listening to more sides of the story. So like, for instance, I used to watch Fox news, MSNBC, CNN, BBS, and uh, some internet news when I, when I watch news now, I don't watch news at all, but, uh, <laughs> but that is a good choice. I would, I would watch them all so that I had different perspectives that I was always running through. So I could see, okay, what's, what are these people talking about? And then I look at, I listen to somebody else. It's completely different. And so now I have more of a picture. If I listen to another one, that's completely different. I have a deeper, yep. it's all the same story, just totally different perspectives on the reality of the story. And so it'll actually allow your brain to pick up more uh, nuanced thinking, critical thinking skills if you can do that. And number three? Number three, action, action, action. And break it down in a way where it's simple and you can stick with it again to, and you'll be blown away by it when you take those simple actions where you get to. Awesome. So Matt, how can people get a hold of you if, uh, if they're interested? Yeah, so go to my, our website, proathleteadvantage.com. Uh, on the website too, uh, like I mentioned around the RAS, I've got a free training out there so you can take a look and it's literally the training that um, I've taught to athlete, like professional athletes and 
entrepreneurs and business leaders, you know, around the world. So you can kind of check that out and you get the handout and all that stuff with it. Um, that's right at the top of the page. You'll see. Um, and then, yeah, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. It's yeah, just pro athlete advantage. We'd love to connect if we can help. Awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Matt, for being here. Uh, I have enjoyed this conversation tremendously as, uh, as you, as you can probably tell by my face, I'm like constantly on the edge of my seat, like leaning into what you're saying. Yep. And that tells me that hopefully the audience will be doing the same thing, leaning into what we're saying yes. so they can really get a, a, a level of life change, not just motivation, but actionable things that they can do to, to shift yes. what they're doing and who they are. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. And this has been another episode of Create a New Tomorrow. I am your host, Ari Gronich, and I look forward to uh, talking to you on the next one. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate all you do to create a new tomorrow for yourself and those around you. If you'd like to take this information further and are interested in joining a community of like-minded people who are all passionate about activating their vision for a better world, Go to the website, createanewtomorrow.com and find out how you can be part of making a bigger difference. I have a gift for you just for checking it out and look forward to seeing you take the leap and joining our private paid mastermind community. Until then, see you on the next episode.